0: is for open-minded thinkers, for observers who are hopelessly curious, for experiencers of the mysterious, and for those who are passionate about perceiving the unknown. I will be sharing with you all my own exceptional experiences and other extraordinary constructs that exist in our reality. Welcome to Access Elysium. What's up and welcome to all of you beautiful souls out there. I am your host, Amber O'Dell, and this is the Access Elysium podcast. So today, I want to talk about some dead, creepy, resurrected, gonna kill us all zombies. So, have you ever wondered how likely it is that you would survive a zombie apocalypse? Well, the results are not great. No, most of us dead. <laughs> But coming up on the show today, we're going to dive into the origin of zombies and how they transformed in our culture, statistics and information on how you could possibly, minutely, maybe survive a zombie apocalypse, and real zombies found in nature. So what the fuck are zombies? Zombies. Oh, zombies are the walking dead. Reanimated corpses, the undead, so many fun names for them. But whatever you choose to call them, these corpses that rise from the grave to walk the world in terror sometimes infect us. And its inhabitants are one of the top monsters in popular culture. So I I don't even know where I found these. <laughs> They're just kind of random and awkward, (laughs) but what does a zombie do? Zombies can walk, think in some cases, and attack living persons. So most zombies eat the brains of living humans. In zombies, the heart, lungs, and a small part of their brains still work. They may react to their environment, but they do not have consciousness. Okay. I don't know. I remember... I The first zombie movie I ever saw as a kid, it was so great. I think it was um, The Night of the Living Dead or, okay, it was the 80s one where there's some dude who f- opened up this giant barrel of ooze that reanimated these corpses and all these, like this fog like steam came out of it and it floated into the cemetery and then all of the dead people started coming alive it was so great i i loved creepy movies when i was a kid so this might be like what movie zombies are supposed to do it says what are zombies weaknesses the brain you must attack the brain there's no other way to bring them down you can shoot them in the leg you can stab them in the gut doesn't matter That's just an appendage. You have to hit him in the brain. So what causes a zombie? So possible causes for zombie behavior in a modern population can be attributed to viruses, bacteria, or other phenomena that reduce the mental capacity of humans, causing them to behave in a very primitive and destructive manner. Yeah, I mean, that's how most zombie movies kind of depict them, but here's... I don't even know where this came from. What does a zombie hate? Zombies hate clowns. Uh, uh, okay, they also hate hippies. <laughs> what the fuck? Not to mention zip lines, penguins, moon penguins. What's the fucking difference? Nudists, weddings, sharing and kittens. I don't I don't know where this came from. We might <laughs> not refer to that as solid information. <laughs> But I mean, is any of this solid information? We're talking about zombies here. But I found on the website of Britannica, they go through the whole zombie fictional creature in pop culture. So a zombie is the animated corpse of a single being, usually a human. Zombies are frequently depicted as these rotting flesh bodies, although in some instances their bodies may be preserved, especially when magic is involved, and they may sometimes display superhuman characteristics such as increased strength and speed. So zombies may be created in a variety of ways. Early depictions, drawing from Haitian voodoo, Often represented witchcraft as a means for reviving corpses. So Haitian zombies are said to be created by priests or sorcerers for the purpose of doing their bidding. They pretty much I mean, they're making them to do their dirty work. <laughs> they're like, eh, I don't want to get caught doing this shit. You can do it for me. There are two potential parts to the voodoo process. First, a zombie astral is created by removing parts of a person's soul. Then this part of the soul may be used for further magic, including the revivication of the person's corpse or zombie corpse cadaver. What? Okay, so they're taking a part of this person's soul and then they're fucking with it and putting magic into it before they put it into a cadaver. Ow. Lovely. So, zombies are often depicted as killing or infecting others, usually by biting them, who then become zombies themselves. It's generally accepted that the impulse and drive experienced by the walking dead resides in the brain. Therefore, removing the head or otherwise destroying the brain body connection will stop them. Because zombies are, in most cases, already deceased, it is usually deemed impossible to kill them by, you know, normal ways of shooting them, poisoning them, stabbing them, unless the brain is damaged or destroyed. Go for the brain, y'all. Go for the brain. In instances where zombification is caused by magic, a zombie may potentially be stopped by the death of its master. Wow. So isn't that kind of like the whole vampire thing, too, where if you kill the head vampire, the rest of them die? (laughs) I don't know, but history that gets into the word zombie. It entered into the English language in the 18th or 19th century, often attributed to a British writer, Robert Southey. Although the idea of the Walking Dead had existed in various cultures for centuries long time. I mean, cent- it could be thousands of years here. So the idea of zombieism is fiction and is widely believed to have been kind of brought forth by the nonfiction book, The Magic Island. It's a travelogue of Haiti by William Seabrook, first published in 1929. And it detailed his observations of voodoo zombies. Three years after The Magic Island's publication, the first feature-length zombie film, White Zombie, inspired by the book, it had been released to the public. In it, a lovesick man conspires with a sorcerer to turn the object of his affections into a zombie just after she weds someone else so that he may have control of her. The woman dies and is given a funeral but later rises from the dead through the powers of witchcraft. So this shit is pretty cool. This is kind of how zombie pop culture in um, playwrights and books and movies All began. I mean, how many zombie movies are out there? It's crazy. So this one. Also, this is this is so great. So it influenced all kinds of other movies that came up. But as the United States entered into the Atomic Age, zombies and alien stories begin to merge. As in the infamous Ed Wood directed cult film Plan 9 from Outer Space from 1959. I don't know what this one is. I'm going to to look into it. And then in the Invisible Invaders also in which aliens attempt to enslave the dead. Oh my God, can you imagine? There's way more dead people than there is alive people. I mean, I don't know how many of the dead people are still in pretty good condition compared to live people. Could you imagine, though, if aliens came in and then just took over the dead? But a major turning point in zombie lore came with the American filmmaker George Romero's Night of the Living Dead from 1968. This low-budget film inspired in part by I Am Legend, which everybody knows the remake of I Am Legend, but the original one is a novel from 1954, depicts vampires, Driven solely by a desire for blood. And this solidified the zombie concept that would persist for decades. So, Night of the Living Dead opened the doors for hundreds of zombie appearances in the years. I mean, Friday the 13th is pretty much a zombie movie, if you think about it. I mean, Jason, he is a zombie like creature that you can't kill because has anybody cut his head off yet? I mean, have we smacked him in the brain? (laughs) That would have helped a lot more. Even Michael Jackson in 1983 released the video for his song Thriller, who is pretty much all dancing zombies. So in 1996, the first game of Resident Evil came out which was super popular. And this was an entire zombie apocalypse caused by a virus, which was a little bit different. Several sequels. I mean, this one goes on forever. I I love Resident Evil. And then you get to like the Big Daddy. This, I don't know. This is the one where it changed everything for me. So zombie books have been around. But when Max Brooks released World War Z on us, holy fuck, this changed the game. Those motherfuckers were like Olympian athletes. I've never seen zombies look like this before. I'm still waiting for World War Z 2 to come out. I mean, can we make this happen? When do we get to see this? This was insane. This just kind of, I don't know, that one just kind of topped the zombie oh shit list when it comes to movies. But so zombies have had a huge part in the entertainment world for this. I mean, Zombieland, that one was so great. I mean, if, if you need a little comedy and you're of the world situation, That one is always good. But the origin of zombies came from the ancient Greeks, which may have been the first civilizations terrorized by a fear of the undead. Archaeologists have unearthed many ancient graves, which contain skeletons pinned down by rocks and other heavy objects, assumedly to prevent the dead bodies from reanimating. So if you think about that, how many Pop culture monsters can that cover zombies, vampires, I mean uh any kind of supernatural reanimation of a body, which pretty much that's the definition of a zombie are all vampires and and all these other creatures of our folklore just different species of zombies? I don't know, but zombies came also from the religion of voodoo. Voodoo is a religion based in West Africa and practiced throughout Haiti and the Caribbean, Brazil, and Americans in the South and other places with an African heritage to them. So many people who follow the voodoo religion today believe zombies are myths, but some believe zombies are people revived by a voodoo practitioner known as a bakar. Bakar. Eh. And we're gonna go with it. Bokars have a tradition of using herbs, shells, fish, animal parts, bones, and other objects to create concoctions, including zombie powders, which contain tetradoxin. I think I said that right. A deadly neurotoxin found in pufferfish and some other marine species. Used carefully at sub lethal doses, the tet. the t- to- Oh my god. This toxin combination may cause zombie like symptoms such as difficulty walking, mental confusion, and respiratory problems. High doses of this can lead to paralysis and coma. This could cause someone to appear dead, be buried alive. And then later revived. So real zombies have been reported in medical journals for humans throughout history in certain cases. Though it's rare, there are several credible reports in medical journals of people using these compounds to induce paralysis in people, then revive them from the grave. (laughs) What the fuck? Why? That's insane. I mean, I guess if you had this crazy plot to try to kidnap somebody but doing it by causing their death and then you could steal their body and revive them I, I don't know but in 1997 article in the british medical journal the lancet described three verifiable accounts of zombies In one case, a Haitian woman who appeared to be dead was buried in a family tomb, only to reappear three years later. An investigation revealed that her tomb was filled with stones, and her parents agreed to admit her to a local hospital when found. (laughs) What? So, they were just like, if we put some stones in here, they'll they'll think it's a body? That's crazy. In another well-documented case, a Haitian man called... (laughs) Clarvius Marcy. Narcy entered a local hospital with severe respiratory problems in 1962. After he slipped into a coma, Narcy was declared dead and was buried shortly thereafter. But 18 years later, a man walked up to Angela Narcy in a village marketplace, insisting she was his sister. Doctors, townspeople, and family members all identified him as (laughs) Clarvius Narcy, who claimed he had been buried alive, then dug up and put to work in a distant sugar plantation. Holy shit, they're killing people off so that they can revive them to be their slave workers. This is awful. But Zombies in pop culture, I mean, it wasn't until 68 that Zombies acquired that cult following from the release of The Night of the Living Dead, and over the next 15 years, the same director, Romero, had Dawn of the Dead, Day of the Dead, like, World War Z, ah, that one, but then came along the next most terrifying show made about zombies, The Walking Dead. Uh, Uh, each, oh my gosh, so I remember watching the first episode when it came out, and I was like, holy shit, my kids can never watch this. (laughs) They were little at the time, and they kind of like to watch some scary movies, and I just remember the scene where they crawled underneath those cars on that freeway or that highway, and the giant herd of zombies came by, and it was terrifying. I mean, (laughs) that was the very beginning of everybody's love of The Walking Dead. So how far back does The Walking Dead go? I mean, in modern day, the you no, know, the modern zombie isn't quite in the Bible, but there are many references to bodies being reanimated or resurrected, which may have inspired zombie myths throughout history. The book of Ezekiel describes a vision where Ezekiel is dropped in a boneyard and prophesizes to the bones. The bones start to shake and become covered with muscle and flesh until they're reanimated. And yet there was no breath in them. That sounds like a zombie. And the book of Isaiah states, Thy dead men shall live, together with my dead body shall they rise. Awake and sing, ye that dwell in dust, for thy dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Why? that sometimes understanding old language is like, wow, man, just get to the point. What are we saying here? <laughs> no, it's beautifully said. It's just confusing and but is explaining uh zombies. So moreover passages in both the Old and New Testaments about the resurrection of saints and sinners at the end times. And this may be one reason for so many zombie stories associated with the apocalypse. So our fascination with zombies, they say came at a time when mankind perceived violence that was just so dramatic after the bombings of Hiroshima and during World War II that some Researchers feel that large-scale disasters caused people to fictionalize their deaths on a mass scale and focus on a survival of the fittest type situation, which is a common theme among zombie narratives. Even the CDC, Center for Disease Control, agrees. They took advantage of zombie mania and created a zombie preparedness website. Yes, they did, to motivate people to prepare for disasters and offer tips on how to survive a zombie apocalypse and other catastrophes. The site was a huge hit. The CDC will give you tips on how to survive a zombie apocalypse. Now, if you really take a second to think about that, I'm sure that they did do that um, to, just to take advantage of a situation where they could get preparedness information out there, but they would never put that out there if it wasn't a possibility because that would kind of debunk their reliability. So the CDC is saying that zombie apocalypses can happen. (laughs) I'm just saying. But I found on sciencealert.com, they did a study on how long humanity could survive a zombie apocalypse. So physics students have calculated how long It would take for humans to be wiped out by an infectious zombie apocalypse, and the results are pretty fucking depressing. (laughs) The study suggests that after just a hundred days, a little over three months, less than 300 humans would be left alive on the entire planet. What? Okay. 300 left. The rest of us fucked. How do you get to be one of those 300? Or do you even want to be one of those 300? Ah, At that point, any remaining humans would be outnumbered a million to one by zombies, which means it'd be pretty tough out there for survivors, uh, like anybody from, I don't know, Rick's gang on The Walking Dead. (laughs) But before you give up all hope, there is good news. In a follow-up study, the students showed that as humans gradually kill more zombies, get better at surviving, and make more babies, the world's population would eventually start to bounce back after 27 years or so. So yay! (laughs) You have to endure three decades of zombie bullshit before you can even start to get better. I mean, that's, that's pretty, if you think of the existence of our universe, that's just a tiny little blink. So... That's, that's at least a little bit of a promise. The research was conducted by physics students at the University of Leicester as part of an annual exercise that tests their ability to apply science to the real world or hypothetical scenarios. To figure out how humanity would cope with a zombie apocalypse, the students first had to come up with the parameters of the infection. They assumed that a zombie could find one person each day, with a 90% chance of infecting them with the zombie virus. Then they used a model to map how the disease would spread. Using the model, they split the human population into three categories. The susceptible population, the zombies, and the dead. So the lifespan of a zombie goes from S, susceptible, to Z, a zombie, and then to D, the dead. And the team didn't factor in natural births and death rates, seeing that uh, we're only looking at 100 days, so it doesn't even matter. They're not going to really affect... A lot that's going on there compared to the destruction of the zombies. So the model then analyzed how often infected humans, or zombies, would come into contact with non-infected humans and how likely they were to pass on the disease in order to see how many humans could survive. The results, as we know, sucked. After 100 days, there would be 273 to be exact remaining humans on the planet. uh that's i don't know that's awful without any major ways for humans to fight back the students predicted that in less than a year the human species would most likely be wiped out entirely bye bye <laughs> that's so fast i don't know but in a more positive follow up study yay students factored in that over time that humans would get better at killing zombies and would also be avoiding infection and they could rapidly start having babies i don't know how rapid like that's pretty much set in stone <laughs> But it would make human survival a lot more feasible once they understood more of the survival tactics. So under these conditions, the team found that it would take around 1,000 days or 2.7 years for humans to wipe out all zombies. Hey! And then another 25 years on top of that for human population to start to recover from the attack. (laughs) I mean, this gives us hope. We We could really turn it around here. But in any case, if you find yourself in a real-life zombie apocalypse, don't worry. Scientists have calculated the best places for you to hide, and it's not a fucking shopping mall. Don't go there. That's <laughs> that's not where you should go. Don't listen to the movies. So I found in sciencealert.com, they have determined the safest hideouts for a zombie apocalypse. So in the event of the zombie apocalypse it's imperative that you have a plan in 2015 in an effort to better understand the spread of real diseases a team of statisticians from Cornell University made a fictitious zombie plague that traveled across the continental United States so we're just talking about the US here their results indicated that the best place to avoid infection is in remote sparsely populated locations so they explained that the northern rock Mountains, probably somewhere in Montana or in Canada, would be the absolute best place to hide. Apparently, a full-scale zombie outbreak in New York City could take a month or so to reach upstate New York due to geographic distance and a slowing rate of infection, which means you'd have a decent amount of time to plot your escape to the sticks. I mean, this one, this statistics gives you a little bit more time than the three months we're all dead thing. (laughs) I'll take this one. I'm given the dynamics of the disease. Once the zombies invade more sparsely populated areas, the whole outbreak slows down. There are fewer humans to bite, so you start creating zombies at a slower rate. This makes sense. In their model, cities predictably fall fast. I mean, yeah. Stay away from metro, politan areas. These are going down in flames. Just imagine a zombie attack on a crowded New York City subway. It's horrifying, but their modeling shows it would take a few weeks for the outbreak to reach rural communities and months to reach the northern mountain time zone. So, of course, if the movies have <laughs> taught us anything, not all zombies are created equal. Now, World War Z zombies not the same as Night of the Living Dead zombies. Depending on how freakishly fast they are or how well they can climb, you may need to revise your estimates. So, (laughs) check out your zombies. What kind of athletes are they? The simulation had to account for a population of roughly 300 million people with each person presumed to be in one of four states, human, infected, zombie, and dead zombie. It tracked the spread of the epidemic by modeling the random interactions between these people. For instance, zombie bites leading to infection and humans killing zombies delayed the spread. In the end, the researchers were able to pinpoint locations where the disease would take the longest to reach. So, Mountain areas longest to reach there and even with optimal hideouts, the outlook for Americans is pretty fucking sad. Should a zombie plague ever decide to materialize, they said, and then quote, we discover that for realistic parameters we are largely doomed. Doomed zombies gonna get us. No, I feel like I could find a way to be one of the 300. <laughs> I'm not going down without a fight. But are there actual real cases of zombieism in nature? Well, yes, there is. Yes, there is. It's super, I don't know, it's creepy because if you're a bug, you're fucked. I mean, uh, all these scenarios, you're fact, but let's try this one. So, according to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the word "zombie" does come from the Haitian Creole word "zombie," but it meant "ghost" in the beginning, and the words refer to creatures from Haitian folklore at its origin. However, little by little, this concept evolved to a person who is rendered mindless by a witch doctor or um a potion. But nowadays, zombie is like usually used like for all kinds of things just to show that it has no more awareness or consciousness and is being used by another entity. So we have our first example of that for zombie ants. Oh my god, this word. Ophacroditusips? (laughs) Fuck, that's not, I don't know. It's a genius fungi that has more than 200 species. And mycologists are still counting. This fungi is crazy. Um, Many species of fungi can be dangerous, often because they're toxic to animals. But there's one thing in particular that makes this one especially frightening. Um, This species of fungi targets and infects various insects through their spores. So after the infection takes place, this parasitic fungi takes control of the insect's mind, altering its behavior to make the propagation of fungal spores more likely. So it's creeping in through the holes and it's infecting its mind and it's making it create more opportunities for it to spread. So this kind of fungi feeds on the insects they attach to, growing into and out of their bodies until the insect is completely dead. So one of these species specifically infects and controls and kills carpenter ants native to North America. So when this fungi infects these carpenter ants, they turn them into zombies. The ant becomes compelled to climb to the top of elevated vegetation where they remain affixed and die. The high elevation allows the fungi to grow and later spread its spores more widely. Researchers from Pennsylvania State University found that this fungi can take control of the ant's muscle fibers, forcing them to move as it wants them to. This fungus is taking control, animating their bodies, and making them do whatever they want to do. This is fucking creepy. They found that a high percentage of the cells in a host were fungal cells. And in essence, these manipulated animals were a fungus in an ant's clothing. (laughs) Hee hee. Scary for the ants. Can you imagine? This fungi gets inside your body and it goes straight for your brain and it takes over and it starts making you do shit until you turn into a giant mushroom. (laughs) I don't know, that's creepy. There's also zombie spiders. So zoologist Philip Fernandez Fournier from the University of British Columbia in Vancouver, Canada, and his colleagues made a chilling discovery in the Ecuadorian Amazon. They found that a previously unknown species of wasp can manipulate spiders to an extent that researchers have never witnessed in nature. So this kind of spider is a social spider. He likes to hang out with his friends and be around his own kind, and they prefer to remain in groups and never strain too far from their colonies. But the team noticed that members of this species infected with this wasp larva exhibited really bizarre behavior, leaving their colonies to weave these tightly spun cocoon-like webs in really remote locations. It's like, invasion of the body snatchers. So when the researchers opened these artificial cocoons, they found wasp larvae growing inside of it. So further research presented a gruesome string of events. The wasps lay eggs on the abdominal of the spiders. And when the eggs hatch and the wasp larva emerges, it starts feeding on the spider and begins to take control of its body. When the larvae have gained full control of the host, it turns it into To a zombie-like creature that is compelled to stray away from all of its friends and family and spin this cocoon-like nest that will allow the larva to grow into an adult wasp. So before entering its cocoon though, the wasp larva first finishes its job by devouring the host completely. So by the time this cocoon is all done, poor little spider is dead. Wasps manipulating the behavior of spiders has been observed before, but not at a level as complex as this. This is creepy bullshit. That's like bo- invasion of the body snatchers, for sure. All right. So a little side fact that has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> I, as a kid, always thought that wasp was the weirdest word ever. If you keep saying it, um, like a wasp one of them is just wasp but multiple wasp is the weirdest word wasps like there's this extra hey listen at the end of it (laughs) wasps like some wasps how you go collect some wasps there's a bunch of wasps coming our way (laughs) always thought that was the weirdest word ever. Anyways, continuing on, zombie creatures. Um, Let's see here. There's zombie plants. Yeah. In 2014, researchers from the John Ein Center in Norwich, United Kingdom, found that certain bacteria known as... Nope, can't pronounce that. Phyto, oh, maybe I can. Phytoplasma, (laughs) got that one. Turns some plants into zombies. The bacteria, which insects disseminate, infect plants such as goldenrods, which have yellow flowers. The infection causes the goldenrods to put out leaf-like extensions instead of their usual blossoms. These leaf-like growths attract more insects, which allow the bacteria to travel widely and infect other plants. While the transformation does not cause the plant to die, researchers are fascinated by how phytoplasma can bend this host's will to make it grow the elements they require to spread and thrive. It's kind of turning it into a little zombie and making it do shit it doesn't want to do. The insects transmit bacteria, also called pho- phytoplasmas, fucking words, which destroy the life cycle of the plants. So, these plants become the living dead. Eventually, they only serve to spread the bacteria. Yikes, they never go back to normal. They don't die, but they're never normal again. Ugh, how sad. That's depressing. Human zombies, hey, so let's get to this one. Can humans turn into zombies too? In the 1900s, Dr. Chavannes Doyen, I don't know if that's right, and Professor Roland Littlewood decided to investigate their Haitian zombies reanimated but mindless humans were a real possibility. So we're talking Haitians again, these voodoo, crazy, potion people trying to put them into paralysis, bury them and dig them up to be their slaves in the sugar fields. (laughs) This sounds fucking horrible, but... Those are proof of the human zombies when they ingest this crazy concoction made by the sorcerers of the Haitians. <sighs> don't go to Haiti, I guess. That's, I don't know. I mean, it's, <sighs> that belief goes into the Caribbean, um, up into Southern America. So in some ways, you know, the zombie thing can get into the human world, but not like, not like we see in the movies. If it was like it is in the movies, here is what the CDC has for the recommendations to put in your emergency zombie kit. Water, a gallon per person per day. Food, stock up on non-perishable items, medications, prescriptions and over-the-counter meds, tools and supplies like utility knives, duct tape, battery-powered radios, sanitation and hygiene items like bleach and soap and shampoo and clothing and bedding, a change of clothes for each family member and blankets, important documents like driver's license, passport, birth certificate, and first aid supplies, They won't do any good if you get bit by a zombie, though, because from what? Now, the CDC is not saying this, but can you survive a zombie bite? Mm, I mean, it's it's essentially lethal. No, you're fucked like you. I don't know. You may have a shot if you cut off a limb, like if they bite you in a limb and you can cut it off immediately, there might be a chance that your arteries have not pumped that virus enough into the center of your body that you there's a slim chance um but you know you're fucked (laughs) i don't think you're gonna make it but so i don't know this is a good this is a good emergency list just for any kind of situation from the cdc and they made it fun for people who like zombies um but even after you've created your emergency kit, you kind of need a family emergency plan too. Like what is your family emergency zombie plan? (laughs) I mean, my advice, okay, let's see what I would say with zombies. First of all, I am a prepper at heart. So I'm going to be completely stocked up for six months to a year's worth of non-perishable food items. (laughs) I do this every fall into winter just in case the world's coming to an end that we won't starve to death. Um, Definitely all of your medications, your first aid stuff, lots of candles, uh, lots of ways of cooking your food and boiling water have an access point to natural water somehow you know, rain catchment systems. You have a spring near you. You have a well dug. You have um, a route to some kind of a river or creek nearby. Make sure you know where to get water from. Um, plenty of tools. that will help you, obviously, like all the little gadgets that do so many things in one. Um, and then you get to weapons. Okay, so fun story. My husband and I went to the Canton flea market here in Texas, which is the biggest flea market in the world. It's huge. It's fucking huge. I've never seen anything like it. I was overwhelmed the first time I went. It was so fun though. And they have so many so many boutiques and food and all these cool uh, like garage sale. Like It goes all the way from little shitty looking things to like Real expensive stuff. It's got it all. It's so much fun. And I don't know why, but when me and my husband went, the only thing we bought were weapons. <laughs> we were like, oh, look, I think we need a sword. And a ta- I got a taser. <laughs> he got a sword. And then we got this zombie killer. That's what I call it. It's this giant, like, handlebar with a ball on the end of it. It has these crazy spikes that are sharpened so so much that it fell over, um, in our bedroom. And when it hit the floor, it took a chunk out of the floor. <laughs> it's taken your face off. It is a zombie killer. So, um, do you have uh, some weapons? Obviously, um, guns are fun, but your bullets are going to run out. So have a backup plan. Um, let's see, what else would I recommend? Yeah, I feel like shelter in place as long as you can and then have a plan to reach out to others so you can create a community. I know everybody wants to run away from everyone else and be like, no, my stuff don't touch. But I feel like m- just the very beginning, you have to protect you know, your family, but you have to reach out and create a community. There's no way you're going to make it if you don't have others that you can depend on and that have other knowledge that they can bring to the table to build back a community of some kind. I mean, look at our community now. There's no way that a few people could build buildings and hospitals and become doctors and engineers. No, you have to have a lot of people to be able to do this. So you do have to create connections with other people that can help you out. Um, But then once once you've, you know, ran out of all your resources, you can't grow a garden anymore. I don't know. I'm not good at that yet. I have fake plants. (laughs) (laughs) My husband's the one that has the green thumb. Thank goodness there's one of us. I make things pretty. He grows stuff. Um, But you're going to have to venture out and you're going to have to find a new camp. And this is where it gets very walking dead-ish because you got to travel around and run into other people that you don't know and you don't trust yet. Oh, so stressful. But here is what I found online at today.cofc.edu, they came up with tips to escape, you know, a zombie apocalypse or how to deal with it. So this is done at the College of Charleston Urban Studies program by director Kevin Keenan. And he says this, this is how you kind of Deal with it. If it's anything like The Walking Dead, Zombie Land, Dawn of the Dead, uh, it's that hopping in your car and driving away from zombies is not a long-term plan, <laughs> because roads will be impassable with stalled cars and dead drivers. So driving a car will probably be useless for escape purposes at some point. Now, my theory is that <sighs> I feel like a motorcycle would probably be so great, but you do have to constantly worry about finding gas. I don't know. You always see in the movies, there's so many cars that are left that surely you could keep siphoning gas at some point, but then mm, you're going to need a bicycle. So number one, he said, consider what kind of zombies you're dealing with. A comprehensive zombie attack plan would include a different response for the recently conceptualized fast moving and smart alert zombies. Yeah. World War Z zombies is what we're talking about here, that I've been hearing about, as well as the usual sluggish, dumb zombies that respond slowly only when they see or hear someone moving about. It would also take into account whether or not the attack was sudden with no prior knowledge or if the government knew the attack was coming and was able to give an evacuation order. Hmm. Do you think the government would give us an evacuation order for zombies? I don't know, like, how much can we trust the government? I hate this conversation because I feel like there's really great people within the government. Um, It's just, you know, a few fucking idiots that are really messing it up for the rest of us. And they don't want to tell us things. No, they're like, if you're, they think of us like they're children. And then the parents, you know, your parents are not going to tell you everything. Oh my gosh, you'll never know the stories of the real reality that your parents had to go through versus what you know. <laughs> I feel like this is the difference between the government and the regular people. So I don't know, maybe they'll give us an evacuation order. But number two, barricade yourself inside. Whether the zombies are fast or slow moving, my recommendation would be to shelter in place. This means holding up in your home and using tables or other furniture to barricade doors and windows if possible. I wouldn't recommend getting in the car and driving away as the roads will likely be impassable with car accidents, traffic, and probably roaming zombies or other dead people. Of course, okay, wait, dead people. The dead people are the zombies. There's no more dead people. Think about that. I mean, they're all dead, but they're not. So you're either alive or you're a zombie. No more dying. I mean, I wonder if your soul's still in there. If you're a zombie... Are you still some... Is this like how you can be enslaved? Your soul is enslaved and it can't leave yet until somebody cuts off your zombie head? Would you be just walking around and completely engulfed in this zombie virus or sorcery magic until someone cuts off your head? I mean... We've seen it in these zombie movies where there's zombies that look like they are ancient. They've got no legs left, no arms. It's just a face just kind of chomping away. (laughs) How awful. Are they really dead? Oh, I don't know. But... Of course, sheltering in place means you have to have enough food and water to last for a long time, as well as daily medications that you take and diapers or formula if you have children. Oh, man, I'm so glad that my kids are older. So stressful to be in a zombie apocalypse with, like, babies and shit. Oh, man. First of all, because you have to be quiet. And kids don't want to be quiet. No, they like to laugh and yell and scream and have fun and... Throw tantrums? No. Oh my gosh, how stressful. But you also need pet food stockpiled if you've got little, you know, man's best friends with you to see you out throughout the end of the zombie apocalypse. But if zombies get into your house, try to fight them off. Yeah. And great advice. If you sense you're losing ground, try to make a run for it. <laughs> Um, this, I mean, this is okay advice, I guess. Bike, don't drive or run for your life. Ah, see, I feel like I knew what I was talking about. Have a bicycle ready as you'll be hard-pressed to outrun the fast-moving zombies and driving in a car is... Nonsense. In general, it's good to have bicycles available. As seen in real life emergencies, gasoline may quickly be depleted, as occurred in New York City after Hurricane Sandy, and roads and bridges may be inoperable due to destruction of many stopped vehicles. Yep, get a bike. And if the attack is imminent or occurring, you can't and you can't shelter in place. I would think your safest bet would be to get a bike and ride out on one of the back roads. I wouldn't use the major highways because it's difficult to get off of them in the event you see an approaching zombie mob because exit ramps are miles apart. And it's quite possible you'll get a mile or two in and then hit a blockade after an accident or a stalled vehicle. This one is funny. I remember this episode or what season it was in Walking Dead. Okay, here's how my Walking Dead life is I stopped watching after Glenn died. I don't even, I, you know what? (laughs) I tried to start the next season where they're all in that fucking trailer. and the big guy with the zombie killer bat-looking thing is there, and I watched the first episode, and that was it. That's as far as I've gotten in The Walking Dead. I know I'm so far behind, but whatever, Glenn's dead. I don't know. (laughs) But they say, disguise yourself in all of the scenarios listed above. I'd recommend buying and storing zombie costumes along with your non-perishable food items and medications. In the zombie films I've seen... It seems the zombies can't smell humans. Wait, no, I'm pretty sure in The Walking Dead they could smell them. They had to like cover themselves in real blood and guts and dirt and bullshit so that they couldn't smell them. Maybe I'm wrong, but why not dress up, you know, with some bloody ooze makeup and do the zombie walk among the real zombies? Perhaps they would never know it's really you, or would they? And you're fact, but. The strategy with this is you'd have to stay away from other humans, as they'd probably try to kill you for being a zombie. So hmm, I don't know. I I don't know. This might be it. Might work. It might work. Uh, But the next advice step is to consult your local authorities. I think people should listen to the advice of authorities, especially regarding times and routes for evacuation. Okay, I agree with that. authorities probably know best when it comes to um, routes and the layout and the mapping of the land. Disasters are always context specific. So it is imperative to listen to people who have a macro view and knowledge of the city or the region. These authorities will know which routes are still available and which ones are blocked or will lead you into harm's way. If authorities are not available, then you need to have a shelter in place plan. I wouldn't leave my home until I absolutely could not stay. Probably good advice. I would probably do the same. And as always, just be prepared. In real life evacuations, people tend to not want to leave their homes because this is their everything and all their memories and it's really hard to leave. But if it's zombies, I don't know. I just, my advice, have a bug out bag. Yep. Have a bug out bag ready. If you don't know what a bug out bag is, it's like A backpack with shit that is ready to go. You've got some kind of resources in it. So probably lightweight, non-perishable food items, um, some medications, things that you can live off of for a short amount of time while you're traveling to your next location. But like uh, documents that ID you, like driver's license, deed to your home if you need to get back into an emergency or after an emergency in your area is closed off, people should just, it's always a good idea to have a bug out bag and then a plan of where to go next. I know, I know what I would do, where I would go, who I would contact, who I would not contact, where I would not go. I have this plan all thought out in my head. It's so much fun to fantasize about these things and mentally be prepared for them. I'm so ready for a zombie apocalypse, I don't, I don't want one at all. But I am ready <laughs> if this shit hits the fan. So hopefully, this helps you guys be a little bit more ready if a zombie apocalypse happens. I think I'm gonna probably get into another episode that is going to be more of like doomsday scenarios because back in 2012, man, I was eating that shit up. It was so fascinating to learn the different ways that we could be completely wiped out, scenarios of how to survive it, how it could happen, all the different options of it coming our way. I Okay, I had um, a swimsuit calendar for about a decade, and in 2012, the theme to the swimsuit calendar was the doomsday. I had the Mayan calendar on the front. Each one of my calendar girls was a zodiac uh, depiction, and each one of the girls depicted a different way that doomsday was going to wipe us out. (laughs) It was so much fun to learn about all the ways that we could die. And I don't know, remember that show Doomsday Preppers? Oh man, I loved that show. I wanted to learn so much from it. I think one of my favorite things that I learned from it was that my parents used to have those big, giant, old school, big screen TVs, uh, like the the huge ones. And I learned from one of the shows that inside of it, it has this kind of a lens that you can take out of it and you can create um, with the sun, this lens that could have a very high intense uh, heating element to it where you could melt metal, you could boil water, you could start a fire. <laughs> I was eating this shit up. So I think I'm going to do some doomsday stuff coming up because why not? sounds fun. But you know, I feel like those are all the things that I could say today. So I hope you have enjoyed the time that we have spent here together. I have so much more fun things that I want to get into. And I hope you will join me on the next Access Elysium podcast.